Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I am Barry Manilow. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> Let's go with it. Let's go with it. Oh God, okay. Eleanor's Barry Manilow today and uh, we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2022 eyes. Although... Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Bazza. Sun is shining. I'm Barry Manilow. <laughs> How are you, Barry? How have you been? I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> is he still alive? Good. Good to oh, know. I think so. I think he is. I, I've not heard that he died, but then, you know, who knows? <laughs> Uh, no, he's still going. 78. I'm still going. I'm 78. It's all good. <laughs> I'm glad you could clarify that. So, yeah, it's <laughs> Barry, Barry Manilow episode this week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Her name was Ali. She was a lawyer with dancing <laughs> babies in her head and she jammies to wear to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, oh yeah barry yes. good old baza so, yeah what what's the so today we're we're watching <laughs> we're not watching we're talking about season four episode 13 uh reach out and touch reach yeah. out and touch what is that yeah you know what that to, always reminds me think? of Hey, I, get, I knew it reminded me of something, but I don't, I don't yeah. know what. So, what does it so, remind you of? For me, it reminds me of "Reach Out and Touch," whisper my name. my name. <laughs> I will deliver again and again. That's a, a B side of like a very deep S Club Seven B side. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. A deep I knew S Club I was Seven like, cut. I was like, is that in like a shampoo advert? Like, no. Essences? Like, I couldn't no. work it out. But yeah, it's S no. Club Seven. It's it S Club Seven. But I don't think that's what this episode <laughs> no. title is referencing. What is this referencing? Is no it... idea. Uh, probably a Barry Manilow song, but I don't know. Is it the Nymphomaniac? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But that should be Reach Out and Lick. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Guys, we will get into all of this. If you haven't seen the episode we're going to be discussing today, which uh, is Reach Out and Touch, then we'll, get, we'll all will become clear for a short time. It will be revealed. Do not worry. Um, so, <laughs> okay. okay. So before we get stuck in though, Eleanor, I just wanted okay. to read out some correspondence that we've had since the last couple of... I know this is quite unusual, but I don't think we're doing right. a mailbag episode this at the halfway Probably point of this season, mainly because not. we haven't got our act together and asked for it. No, it's not going to happen. But we did get a message from a listener who has agreed to have this um, read out. Um, Because if you remember a few episodes back, there was an odd comment from John about postal workers and fast food. Yes, and we were like, what? Yeah, so (laughs) this person has got in in contact with us. Eve um, uh, is a listener from New Zealand and she has messaged us to say... I think the so are postal workers until they eat fast food is a reference to two different American phenomena. One, as Eleanor identified, is the going postal phrase, which came from a surprisingly high number of postal workers shooting their colleagues. Mm -hmm. The other 
a moral panic about fast food, which started with the Twinkie defence when Harvey Milk, the first openly gay US politician, was killed by another politician, Dan White. Dan's defence successfully argued diminished capacity, evidenced by witness accounts that he had started eating Twinkies, which proved he was depressed. And it led to a myth that fast food altered one's brain to the point of committing homicide. Anyway, given David E. Kelly's preoccupation with ridiculous legal suits, although I at least agree this one was ridiculous, I think that's what John Cage was referring to. So yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, she I, I thought mean, she'd send that in, and I, I thought think... that was really interesting. I because uh, I have obviously I've heard of the phrase going postal, and I I know about Harvey Milk, although I think it yeah, probably knew, had slipped my yeah, mind I'd, that that's I'd where the Twinkie the, defense came from. I'd heard of the Twinkie defense, but I think um, I yeah I forgot it was um, connected to the Harvey Milk assassination, but um, or but murder, I just haven't put know, all of that but, together. Yeah, but, yeah, I, just I guess think I was like, there must be like it just felt a bit tenuous to like link those two things together. I thought there must have been a case where both things had occurred at the same time. Um, yeah, maybe. But, but maybe like like um, is it Eve? Did you say? Yeah, Eve. Yeah, yeah maybe. Thanks, maybe. Eve. I think I that think in. that's probably the the. Uh, I think she's probably on the right track in that that's what he's combining and yeah. putting together. Sounds, sounds like a legit. A, sounds like a Kellyism. If, if yeah. That was one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So now that we've no, cleared that thank up, thank you. Um, thank you for yes. like coming back to us because you know every day's a school day. <laughs> yeah, we and if all we ever each other. <laughs> If you ever hear us talking about something and you think, well, that's just wrong or they haven't got a clue, I know what's right. I can correct them. Please send it in, like nicely, obviously, <laughs> um, because we'd love to read it out. It may be it may be a few episodes later, but we'd definitely like to include we'll feedback it. and yeah, uh, points of view. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, thanks Eve for sending Good that in. Stuff. And now that that case is closed, uh, let's move on and get stuck in to yeah. reaching out and touching. Yeah, so reach out and touch. Um, first aired twelfth uh, of February two thousand and one. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade more problematic than it looks. So uh, we have. The US number one is still uh, Shaggy with It Wasn't Me. 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 That song was so big. I remember it being like, and all like, I remember, <laughs> I remember like um, boys of my age who, you know, I was like, what? 13 at the time being like it wasn't me <laughs> like, like, it's like you're not on the counter with anyone <laughs> you're 13 <laughs> you're on the counter eating cocoa pops it wasn't me yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, i mean i don't think half of them probably really understood what it was about fully no. you know what i mean like they were probably like oh he's a naughty boy <laughs> Just like so, yeah. me. Um, yeah, so the UK number one is, I think this is a new number one, actually. Let me just double check. A new da, one for you to guess. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it is. Because last, last episode, it was Limp Biscuit and Rollin'. This <gasps> episode, 
the UK number one, the artist is Atomic Kitten. Hole again. Yeah! Yeah, I knew that would be. Like, do you know that was number one for ages? So this is going to stick around for a while. And I remember after it had been number one for about... After it had been number one for about six weeks, I remember it playing on top of the pops and mum came in and was like, oh my God, this song's so good. You mark my words, girls. This is going to be huge. And I was like, mum, it's been number one for six weeks. <laughs> She's like, like mum had the inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> like she was like Simon Cowell or something. Like, I know, I could, this is my hot tip for you. I can, I can the uh, hits. <laughs> it was so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. Oh my god, that's really hilarious. Okay, yeah. and uh, <laughs> moving on from mum's talent spotting prowess. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing I've really got is uh, 14th of February. Uh, so Valentine's Day, uh, FYI. Um, this <laughs> morning features a gay wedding broadcast. So this morning's live. like a magazine show, isn't it? In the morning, yes, obviously. yeah, in Britain. Um, features a gay wedding broadcast live. Um, and at the time, it wasn't legal. Um, to to for you know gay people to get married. Um, mm. Yeah, so the the ceremony was like a blessing performed by a cleric from the Society for Independent Christian Ministry. And there were 117 complaints, which were all rejected by the Independent Television Commission. 117 complaints! Complaints! About people getting married. (laughs) Yeah, like what is there to complain about? Like, literally, get a grip. <laughs> they have too much time it? on their hands. I don't know. Yeah. Mad. But, yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think, like, these were the things that kind of had to happen in order to, like, normalise it because there were so many people who were just well, dead you know, set against it. They trod the path that then ultimately lent itself to... Philip Schofield, who's now presenter of this morning, I don't know if he was presenting it back then, coming out as gay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. After many years of being closeted. So, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you've got to start somewhere. Yes, yes, you do. And uh, this morning started in 2001. (laughs) Yes. Um, Right. So, is it time? It is. Crack on. Okay, so let's start looking through this episode. So, you've got your 2022 eyeballs screwed in. <laughs> they are nice and tight in there, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, let's begin. Um, it's nighttime in Boston and Ali is in her dressing gown in her bedroom staring out the window at the snow because it's the middle of February um, and she's lost in thought, um, obviously clearly missing Larry, um, as Vonda is singing a Barry Manilow song because it's Barry Manilow week <laughs> um, and it's his song Weekend in New England which I have to confess I'm not like a massive Barry fan but I do recognize some of his songs so this is the one that goes like when will our eyes meet 
La 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 la. Yeah, it feels like his most famous one is it Mandy or? Oh my god, there's so many, and he doesn't include any of them in this episode. And I'm like, Barry, give <laughs> the people all. what they want, not these <laughs> random ones that nobody cares about. But yeah, oh, it that's Mandy? like my major rant the, about this episode. Like Mandy's one, isn't it? Yes, there's Mandy. There's Copacabana. There's Could It uh, Be Magic? There's yeah. um. Oh God! Uh, I'm trying to think. There's sure there's some more that I do know. Uh, oh, can't smile without you. Can't smile. Oh can't yeah, smile yeah, yeah. Without I know that one. Yeah. You. Like he's very prolific, and there's loads of like big hitters that he could have included, but for some reason, Not him and Vonda have gone for like. I don't think they're less. Like they're they're like obscure. I think they're still really big hits, but they're just like not the big ones. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I get you. but anyway, so they're they're sort of the sort of songs that you're like, oh, that feels vaguely familiar. Yeah, I kind of have heard it before, but <laughs> it's not like you know it. You know? Yes. Well, certainly for not me and our no. generation, I don't think. No, I don't think. But so. anyway, so he's singing. So Vonda's singing that, um, and when Ali turns back into the room, and suddenly a man's voice takes over the singing and Ali looks up and it's only bloody real, actual Barry Manilow as we live and breathe (laughs) in her room serenading her and Ali is like hallucinating this Um, and she yells in shock and she starts sort of shaking her head to kind of kick Barry on out of there Um, and this causes Renee to sort of just march in like, oh my God, here we go again (laughs) and she's like, what's the matter? And Ali's like, I was hallucinating and Renee then runs through a series of guesses as to who she's hallucinating. And she's like, was it Larry, Al Green, Gloria Gaynor? And Ali's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Ali's like, no, no. And then she goes, no, I saw Barry Manilow call 911. <laughs> I was like, finally, she's treating her hallucinations as a medical issue rather than a whimsical part of her personality. I think this is progress. Yeah. She now knows how to recognise a mental health crisis. <laughs> yeah, all it took was Barry Manilow. Um, so yeah, so that goes, that leads us into titles. Yes. Um, so after the titles, it's the weekly meeting um, and Richard has good news to share. The firm is making money. And I was like, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> the, the bad news is he said he can never get enough. So he says, John and I have hired a new associate. Uh, blah. John and I have hired a new associate, Rainmaker, Big Portables. I'd like to introduce you all to him now. Unfortunately, he's late. <laughs> but Nell looks really annoyed and it's like, who is this person? And Richard's like, nobody has to feel threatened. I love you all. Nobody's job is in peril as we speak at Checks Watch 910. <laughs> and by the way, Nell, you didn't complain when we brought you in as a rem- rainmaker, like Drizzle that you turned out to be. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, but Nell like rolls her eyes. Um, and then as John tells him to move along, Richard continues. But as Ali looks up at him, she, instead of seeing Richard continuing, sees Barry Manilow again, um, singing another of his songs called This One's For You. Again, another vaguely familiar one, but not one that I know super well. And when Ali sees this, she gasps and everyone turns to look at her and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, and is all embarrassed. And Ling's like, you're not going to get weird again now that Larry's gone, are you? And Ali just shoots back, Ling, I never stopped being weird. And Richard's like, 
I was just going to extend our support in your time of newfound loneliness, Ali. We're all here for you. And Ali gets up and is like, yeah, well, I'm going to find someplace else to be weird and leaves the room. <laughs> um, and I have to say, in this scene, I don't know if you noticed, but I feel like Ling and Nell were looking particularly nice. Like, Ling I, have I her hair in waves this episode. Ling's ha- uh, uh, hair is all like, yeah, wavy, wavy hair. Nice, yeah. So what, what do you think about her hair? Oh, yeah, no, I really like it. It's really oh, it's it? nice to see. Yeah, just nice to see some texture in there. Nice it's always like yeah. pinned straight. Like yeah. it's been straightened to death. I think it looks really nice with curls. And then yes. Nell, um, throughout this episode, her hair's kind of textured and she kind of has it like in a relaxed like updo. And the yes. blouse she was wearing was like this cornflower blue, like linen, like crumply type blouse, oh, which okay. I I just thought they both looked really great in that scene. I was like, yeah, well done, I thought, guys. I noticed Ling. I don't think I noticed now. I, I remember Nell's her hair. hair. I always notice I, her I remember hair. hair. But I don't, I, uh, I don't remember that shirt. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, she looks good. They both do. Um, good so yeah, so guys. Ali is, <laughs> Ali is hurrying out of the conference room, um, massaging her forehead aggressively with the heel of her hand, um, and she's looking at the floor and not looking where she's going, and therefore she walks crash bang into none other than Tay Diggs. Woohoo! Red and love assemble. Welcome to the show, Tay Diggs. <laughs> I'm so happy to see him. Um, and at bumping into him, um, because he is, you know, very attractive, Ali immediately has this, like, fantasy of his clothes flying off him. But it's like he's one of those, you know, those, like, paper dolls? Yeah. That you, like, have the kind of cardboard clothes that you sort of fold around them. All his clothes kind of come off like that, like, very, like, flat yeah. and, like, paper. Um, yes. And he ends up standing there in his boxes, um, and he's sort of... And she sort of smirks to herself. Um, and Tay Diggs introduces himself as Jackson Duper, um, which immediately made me go, Super Duper. Because at uh, time of recording, it is, of course, my Super Bowl, my World <laughs> Cup tonight, Eurovision. So I've got anything Eurovision on the, on the brain. So yeah. Is that tonight? Yeah, it's tonight. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Enjoy um, that. So yeah, <laughs> Jackson Super Duper um, was uh, is here. He introduced himself, and today is his first day. Um, and obviously, he's the new hire that Richard's been talking about. And Ali welcomes him with a big smile um, and says that everyone is waiting for him in the conference room. Um, and then he's like, "Oh, where's the bathroom?" And she sort of giggles flirtily and points him in the direction of the unisex. And as he sort of strides off, she goes to like follow him into the bathroom. But then halfway there, <laughs> she around. stops and turns around <laughs> and like catches herself and is like, "No, no," shakes her head um, and turns back. And as she's turning back, she bumps into Elaine, who has had her eye taken by Jackson and is not being subtle about it. She's just like staring <laughs> after him. Um, but would we expect anything less? Like, I really enjoy how they portray that women have just as much like thirst and voracious sexual like desires in this show as men too (laughs) yeah and like I was thinking about it and I was like that's one of the things that I do really like about this show is that it doesn't try and say that you know it's just men that have their tongues hanging out all the time actually women do it as well because we're all human beings that are attracted to people yes yeah um yeah. yeah I think that's fair so Meanwhile, on the other side of the office, 
a lady with long kind of curly red hair wearing heart-shaped sunglasses and like a red sexy dress comes out of the elevator with this massive bunch of like love heart balloons for Valentine's Day and she asks for John Cage in this like thick what I think is supposed to be like fake European accent um and Elaine sort of points to John who is just coming out of the conference room with everyone like behind him because the meeting's over and the woman gives John the balloon saying they are from Melanie West and she like thrusts her boobs at him as she leans (laughs) over to give him the balloons and John's like (laughs) oh thank you and then the woman like grabs John and gives him like a massive snog on the mouth and John is like like befuddled and pulls himself away like protesting being like oh gee I'm spoken for and the woman then lets out a bark and goes so am I and like whips off her wig and it turns (laughs) out it was Melanie all along guys (laughs) what luck it was obvious but (laughs) I mean yeah this garners like for some reason a round of applause from like everyone and like did you hear there were like random extras going all right all right like like, a really great joke because I was like if I saw this happen I'd be like oh for god's sake and just like walk off (laughs) but like everyone seemed to think it was really touching and heartfelt and like yeah go John woo 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 (laughs) I thought it was cute like I thought it was a nice like um I thought it was a super cute, like, little surprise thing. But, like... Oh, yeah, but not, I wouldn't not, stand around I going, all right. Like, Woo! <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I wouldn't be doing that. No, maybe that's just no. very American. But, yeah. I, I, I think but anyway, I'd be like, aww. Like, that's the reaction I'd give. would be like, aww. But then go on with my day. Like, I wouldn't stand yes, and yeah. give them a round of applause. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, everyone's doing that, except for Ali, who scuttles off. Um, looking kind of sad and down in the dumps to her office and John catches sight of this and he kind of excuses himself for Melanie to go and follow her Um, and so he goes and follows her into her office and is like I know it's tough for you to be spending Valentine's Day away from Larry have you heard from him yet today Um, and Ali's like yeah we talked this morning and we're gonna talk again tonight you know I'm fine John the long distance relationships well they've certainly been known to work and John just sort of nods and Ali's like and anyway I have to concentrate on this silly little annulment case which I'm late for and then she's like you know what John can you just do it for me and John's like uh uh doesn't it start today like I can see he's thinking like I was here to like listen but I'm not here to like do any more than that (laughs) like he's like really like this is too much he's like doesn't it start today and Ali just starts Ali just starts like piling files onto John's arms being like oh yeah but truthfully I just don't think I'd be able to handle a case about a broken relationship right now and John tries again to like push back saying but I'm in depositions on the Burke matter You, you you really don't think you can do it and Ali sternly is like well I don't I'm sort of I'm I'm hallucinating a little and I was like, Ali, bury the lead, why don't you? Like, why are you dramatic over the wrong things? Like, you haven't <laughs> broken up with him. He's just, like, not in your immediate vicinity for, like, an arbitrary day. Like, that's not a reason to just shirk all your responsibilities. Yeah, but you know like, what is a what is a reason not to be working is a mental health episode, which is actually what the problem is. What is like, going on, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> just yeah she's just got her like rationale like all wrong anyway i want to throw in my objection 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I just thought, like, considering Melanie, like, did go to all that effort to do this, like, you know, like we say, it wasn't deserving of a round of applause, but it was super cute little, like, stunt to pull on your boyfriend on Valentine's Day, which is why I just thought it was, like, especially rude that John just immediately leaves her to go and check Ali is not, like, too hurt by his relationship, like, and I was just like, you've literally left your girlfriend all alone holding a big bunch of balloons in the middle of the office, like a complete <laughs> mug, like, I'm just like, this is really, like, rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it was I, like I just instant kind of... it was instant it was like he was like oh this is so lovely and then he catches ali like you know sc- like you say scuttling away into her office looking you know a little bit down and he's just like oh let me just run after ali to just check valentine's day isn't hurting her too much like it's just like I know. Come on. I don't have a lot of time for people that are upset by other people being happy around them. Like, yeah. I can understand it sometimes feeling a bit like, oh, I wish I had that. Like, I get that. That's like a normal yeah. thing to think. But to have it, to feel that so much that it causes you to just you have not to remove yourself. Be and all that has join happened, in, you know? All that has happened is literally your relationship is still there. You still like, yeah, have he's a not relationship. Up with her. It's long it's like distance, she's... and I'm yeah. you know, long distance is. I'm not gonna say it's not. It, it's like a piece of cake, but it isn't. But yeah, like, I'm not saying she hasn't got difficulties and she hasn't got stuff to feel a bit, you know, sad about. But, but it's not. You still have enough a partner to who loves to... you. Like, yeah, I don't know why she's always <laughs> focusing on the bad stuff in her life and never on the good things. Like, yeah. I just. Uh, that's no way to live in my opinion. Like, and we don't see it's interesting because I'm like, if this is va- if this is Valentine's Day, like why hasn't Larry sent her like something or like you could do something for well, him? Yeah, like you could, but also I feel like it's also I I don't get people feeling super down on Valentine. Like it's just a stupid day. Like it, it is doesn't a mean stupid anything. Day. Like it doesn't. You it really get, like, doesn't. Uh, I all I do nowadays is just like card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we just don't. Yeah, and it's just like it doesn't matter. No. It really doesn't matter. Like it's nice to have the excuse to treat your partner, but yeah, like I wouldn't get upset if, like, I think Russ went on a stag do one weekend, one Valentine's <laughs> weekend, and I wasn't like, oh no. Oh, I'm at home on my own on Valentine's Day. I was like, oh, great. I get, the, you know, the night to myself. I can watch what I want on TV. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. focus on the positives. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really weird, like, I, and I just, yeah, I just didn't like John immediately abandoning his girlfriend yeah. who's done quite a sweet thing for him, like, yeah. to check on Ali when Ali's just being, like, a melodramatic. As ever. Yeah, <laughs> so melodramatic. And I like that she thinks the problem is that she's missing Larry, not Down that she's hallucinating. Larry. Like it's like... a different thing. That's, a, that's, that's, that's the more pressing issue. But anyway, <laughs> right. So cut to Richard. Like they've all piled into Richard's office, where um, yeah. So 
John and Ali are in there, Ling's in there as well, um, and informing Richard of her hallucinations. And he's like, hallucinating how? Um, because Ali's trying to just hand over this case to someone else. And Ali's like, oh, it's not important. And Richard's like, Ali, you're asking a lawyer to take over on the day of trial. And Ali's like, oh, it's okay. Ling's been second chairing. But Ling then pipes up being like, I'm not ready to take over this case from you. And Ali is like, oh, look, I have never, ever, ever asked for myself to be removed from a case before. But well, I'm a little fragile. And Richard's like, what kind of hallucination? Like, when and are Ali you not finally, fragile, Ali? <laughs> yeah. Ali finally admits that it's Barry Manilow. And Richard's like, yeah, you're off the case. <laughs> <laughs> and Lynn goes, well, I'm going to need backup since this case is a tricky one. Um, and so Richard gives it to Jackson. And Ali just tries to like, just run off. But Richard calls after and is like, uh, can you bring Jackson up to speed like at least do that and Ali's like oh yeah yeah of course um and then she just sort of does this weird like contortion in the doorway she sort of folds her arms and is like it's almost a little completely... bit like a, a, a weird curtsy <laughs> yeah she's like, like I completely <laughs> apologize but she does it she says it and does it with this weird contortioning in a way that makes like she really doesn't look sincere about it she looks like yeah i've got away with it i can go i can go home now like very weird (laughs) yeah like she just dumped i just think it's really shit behavior from her to just like dump dump all her shit it's it just it's just because she's missing her boyfriend I mean, but like you said, the real thing is she's hallucinating. Like, yeah. So uh, what she should be doing is handing over her work, then getting down to a doctor. But what she does is go home and like call her boyfriend. It's like that's not (laughs) that's not the problem. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, everyone's left to deal with with Ali's mess. So (laughs) Melanie. and John uh, are in another room and they're discussing Ali's hallucinations. I guess John's told Melanie. And Melanie is like, oh, I love Barry Manilow. Why wouldn't I? He's written like a hundred songs and stars today are lucky if they write like two. And I was like, did Barry pay to have that line in there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Melanie's like his PR. The, the Barry Manilow um, PR machine. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but John, John goes to Melanie and looks at her kind of quizzically and goes, Melanie, he's hardly what I would call hip. And Melanie barks and like jumps on John's desk and it's like, well, neither am I, but I love him. And then John sort of folds his arms and keeps looking at Melanie like really strangely and is like, really? Like he doesn't trust what she's just said. And he's like, because I love him too. And Melanie's like, don't make fun of me, Cage, a poop. And it's like ticking and calling him poop. And John's like, I'm not and stop calling me poop. But then John explains that he really does like Barry. And he says, for my sexual persona, I've always gone to Barry White. But for my solitude, it's always been Barry Manilow. And Melanie is like really hot for this. <laughs> and John's like, I want to share something with you. And she like leans into him. And John's like, uh, leans into him and says, what? Like really softly. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is he going to share with her? I am <laughs> concerned. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, meanwhile, um, Ali um, and Jackson are meeting with the client that she's trying to just palm off to Jackson. Um, And his name is Clayton, and he's played by an actor called Kevin Rahm. 
Um, and um, we're really going through the Desperate Housewives alum this season because you probably recognise him as Lee from Desperate Housewives. He's one half of that the gay couple that lived on the street, moved that, into the street. I knew yeah. I recognised him. And I was like, who and the fuck is that? And he also played Ted Shaw in Mad Men. Do you remember that like other advertising firm that he was a partner of that came and wanted oh, to take over yes, Sterling I Cooper. Remember yeah. that too. Yes, yes. Yes. I knew I recognized so, them. I just couldn't place yeah. them. Um so yeah, he's he's been in a few things that you'll know him from. Um and so Ali is reassuring Clayton that he's gonna be fine without her and with Jackson and Ling instead. And Clayton's like I mean, understandably quite annoyed because it's like the day of trial. Um, and on that, no- and on that note, Jackson is like, well, Clayton, what is the case? Because I really need to start getting up to speed ASAP. And if I was Clayton, I'd be like, why am I having to go through this again? I've already told Ali. Can she not tell you? Like, I'm paying you guys. Like, yeah. why am I having to do extra work? Relive anyway, my trauma for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clayton just goes, well, I married an infomaniac. And Ali cuts in to be like, well, see, like we're trying to annul the marriage and we also sued the minister and the judge just joined the two complaints. And Jackson's like, why are you suing the minister? And Clayton says, because my wife was having an affair with him at the time he joined our hands in holy matrimony. And Jackson is like, your wife was sleeping with the minister? At which point... Ling walks in to join the meeting, but she immediately recognises Jackson and she doesn't look at all pleased about it because she says, what's he doing there? And Jackson's like, well, I, I work here. And Ling goes, you're Jackson Duper. And Ali's like, what's going on? Hmm? And Ling just turns around and storms out. So I smell a scandal. Something, <laughs> something is going on. Yeah, and we don't have to wait long to find out because Jackson has left this poor client who must be feeling like, who am I, top liver? (laughs) And he runs after Ling to her office and Ling starts just tearing strips of him because she's like, so Jackson Duper, you don't tell women your real name? And Jackson's like, hey, for all I knew, but Ling cuts him off being like, you knew me enough to go to bed with me? Why the alias? You wanted? Certainly not by me. And Jackson's like, excellent, do I get to talk? And Ling's like, fine, quick, think up something. And Jackson's like, look. And Ling goes, we're back to look. And Jackson goes, hey. And Ling goes, we're back to hey. And Jackson's like, Ling. And Ling goes, oh, how do you know my real name? Oh, that's right, I gave it to you. What an odd thing to do. And then she like swivels her chair. So she turns her back on him. Um, And I was like, oh dear. But also, Ling you were sleeping with Tay Diggs and then you go back to Richard? Ma'am, are you okay? <laughs> this is a very valid question. What? <laughs> I think Ling is actually in a silent mental health crisis. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Not at all. Your your decisions. Um. Yeah. Oh my god. So I'm like. Uh, uh, also, I really love the way she's like. Oh, we're back to hay. Oh, we're back to look. I'm like, this is a really good way of like stopping someone from talking. Just being like, yeah. Oh, we're back to whatever the last thing they said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed. I know. That. <laughs> she really owned him in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, so Dominated. yeah. So back- back back with john and melanie and he's off to show her his big secret and he's taken her to the unisex and he's like starting to check 
all the stalls as this like mystery music plays and he's like it's big and nobody nobody (laughs) has ever when you showed me your apartment a few weeks ago i almost showed you then but even then i melanie you must promise never ever to tell anybody and melanie's like my lips are whatever like she's dick um opens his stall door and he gestures for her to go in and Melanie's like well I've seen your toilet John but John's like shh as he takes his like flushing remote out of his pocket and walks into the stall slowly and then he just grabs Melanie's hand and like pulls her in and slams the door and locks it and once they're in the stall he hits a button on his remote and this secret door just opens behind the toilet and inside there's a tiny little like cozy room with like an armchair, bookshelves, like a little window, a lamp, like a wall hanging on the door. Um, and it's basically like a tiny, tiny hobbit like lounge room. <laughs> I want to know how on earth this was made because I'm like, I can't imagine John dragging in these armchairs and this shelves and all these like books like he must have done it like at the dead of night or something well he does stay up late doesn't he to like walk around in barefoot so maybe that is true so maybe yeah he did it all at midnight when no one's in the office but yeah so Melanie steps in and John presses the button to close the door behind her but I have to say before that they're like standing in the stall like looking in at the room from the doorway and the way they're positioned I'm like there's no way there's room for a toilet there like there's no toilet in that stall so what the hell has John been doing in that stall the whole time (laughs) we know there's a toilet because it flushes where like the toilet sinks into the floor the wall becomes a door (laughs) 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 it's just yeah that was just my little like goof spot because i was like that doesn't quite work out but never mind i'll suspend my disbelief for you david e kelly um so melanie has come in and is like oh what is this and john says it's his hole in the wall um and melanie's kind of taken aback and john explains that he comes here for solitude and he says imagine my surprise when i saw your home i always (laughs) thought it was a bit of a miracle to find a beautiful woman what when i first heard that line i thought he said imagine my surprise when i saw your hole (laughs) that would have been better i I was like what (laughs) christ yeah no he says imagine my surprise when i saw your home (laughs) with an m and he says i always thought it was a bit of a miracle to find a beautiful woman one who has Tourette's like small places, but one who also loves Barry Manilow. And then he says, Melanie, and he sits her down in the armchair and he's on one knee on the floor and he says, will you marry me? And Melanie just ticks a squeal in response and John (laughs) ticks a squeal back at her because it's triggered him to tick. Just as Richard has come into the unisex and he's at the sink and he can hear squeals, but obviously he's confused because he can't see anyone. And he's like, hello, (laughs) looking around. 
back in John's hole, Melanie and John have put their hands like over each other's mouths and like huddled on the floor as Richard goes back to like washing his hands. And then the scene fades to black because I think there was probably an ad break there originally. And after that jump, Melanie and John are still in the hole with their, um, at the hole in the wall on the floor with their kind of heads pressed together. And Melanie is like, are you serious, John? And John's like, yes, I'm serious. And don't tell me I'll have to wrestle your father again to get your hand. And then they go to like kiss, but Melanie ticks a shriek and John shrieks back. And then they can hear Richard going, hello? (laughs) (laughs) And Melanie and John like grab each other's... I just find it really funny, like, how they're, like, uh, trying to hold on to, like, each other's mouths and, like, smother their noises. Well, at this point, they're holding each other's, like, whole heads in in a vain (laughs) attempt to stop each other from emitting noises. (laughs) It's really funny. It's very funny. Yeah, but back in the main unisex, Ali has walked in and found a very confused Richard investigating the schools. <laughs> and he's like, I keep hearing noises. I hope there aren't rats in the walls. And then there's another yelp. And Ali hears that and is like, well, that sounded like a dog. She's trying to help him figure it out. She opens a stall and then she hallucinates that Barry Manilow is in there singing even now. And she screams and slams the door on him. And Richard's like... Ali, you have to confront him. The way to fight nightmares or demons or hallucinations is to take them on. And Ali's like, well, that's what Tracy used to tell me. And I was like, ah, Tracy, shout out. (laughs) (laughs) But then Richard's like, take his head off. That's the only way to deal with ghosts. And then he leaves. And Ali's like, okay then. And she like steals herself and she opens the stool to take on Barry, but it's just empty and she's not imagining him anymore. Next, um, Ling and Jackson are in court for their case. And Ling is questioning Clayton, who's on the stand. And he's saying, um, well, it was watching our wedding videos that I first saw it. And that the woman (laughs) purporting to be my wife had a problem. Um, And at this point, I just want to mention that Clayton's wife, who we later find out is called Marsha, is played by Missy Pyle, who she's been in so much stuff. Like she's been in Dodgeball. She was Mrs. Beauregard in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She's like one of those character Uh, actors that is like massively prolific. And she's like pretty much been in everything. Um, Yeah. And she's quite nice to see her here. Looking face. Like, yeah, she does. yeah. Yeah. No, um, so it's nice to I see her I here because I think it's well. quite an early role for her. But yeah, it was nice. Um, so yeah, so for the court and for us, Ling like wheels in a TV to like play a clip <laughs> with enhancement. She says um, it's basically just been zoomed in, um, and it's where basically after the ceremony, the bride goes in to like give the minister a kiss and Ling pauses and like zooms in (laughs) where you can see they're like going in for it with tongues and the whole courtroom is like (gasps) it's like fully open mouthed with tongue and I'm like how did you miss this well I think it was probably in the background of a shot like it wasn't she zoomed it right up close on their mouths I'm sorry but at a wedding uh, everyone's watching the bride like non-stop. oh yeah no one yeah 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 do- no one stops watching the bride like because no what one's I found more was really f- than the bride in the room <laughs> <laughs> what I found was really funny was that Ling zoomed in the clips so there's no missing it because it's just right on their mouths and the whole courtroom gasps but in case we couldn't tell what to gasp at <laughs> Ling like, like whips out this like teacher's pointer to tap the tv <laughs> like 
right here. <laughs> <laughs> like on their tongues. And Clayton says that he confronted Marsha after he saw this. And finally, she admitted that she and the minister had been having a horrid affair. And Marsha interjects to say, he said torrid. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I'd do. I'd be like, yeah, horrid affair. <laughs> no, torrid. Yeah. So then we have everyone's fave opposition, Mr. Milter, aka John Michael Higgins. Um, he is representing the Reverend in the matter of Clayton suing him. And he cross examines Clayton and he says, Mr. Hooper, you're seeking an annulment from Mrs. Hooper saying that you were never really married. And Clayton's like, yes, it was all a fraud. And Mr. Milter says, well, I'm not clear how you can then be suing my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, yes. you, he, I swear he does like a micro pause to be like I'm he does yeah he does he, that's like, totally, that's totally on purpose <laughs> yeah he says well I'm not clear how you can then be suing my client Reverend Compton for interfering in a marital relationship if you claim that no such relationship existed and I was like that is a bloody good point well done Mr. <laughs> and Clayton's like well maybe there would have been if he hadn't inserted his fat wet Episcopalian tongue into the bride's mouth and then Mr. Milton's like your honor I'm not comfortable with his response I'm going to go ahead and object and poor Judge Walsh for it is he who has to deal with this overruled of course it is Judge Walsh yeah so then Mr Milter continues and he's like granted Mr Hooper it wasn't right for Reverend Compton to bus your wife but how did and Clayton interrupts being like you call that a bus he practically bust her tonsils and I just have to add at this point like I was like what the fuck are they talking about because we do not use the word bus in the UK as far as I know so I had to actually look it up and it's like slang for kissing someone like I had no idea that to bust someone is to kiss someone no at least I've never heard it no yeah yeah I was just I was just like yeah uh, what a weird yeah, I remember it's an American thinking, turn of phrase. Yeah, like I was like, oh, I don't know what that means. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, again, Mr. Milton is like, I'm not comfortable with that response. To <laughs> so next, it's a bit complicated because um, as Ali mentioned earlier, Judge Walsh has decided to like enjoin these two matters into one set of pre- proceedings. Um, so, but presumably so he doesn't have to hear it all twice. But basically <laughs> the lawyer for Marsha gets the chance to kind of cross-examine Clayton next. And so he asks, well, when you confronted my client, she told you that she had a disease, didn't she, Mr. Hooper? And Clayton's like, uh, she told me she had an in- infidelity disease. Let's not throw her a fundraiser. <laughs> it's like, <so> funny. <laughs> but the lawyer clarified, like, your wife told you she was a nymphomaniac, did she not? And Clayton's like, so what? I was there. I betrothed my penis to her till death or impotence do us part. And Mr. Milton stands up and is like, I'm pretty sure those were the vows. <laughs> Yeah, but Mr. Milton stands up and is like, Your Honour, my client is a minister. I'm not comfortable with the vulgarity. And Judge Walsh is like, sit down. (laughs) He's not here for this shit. Yeah, Um, those weren't the vows. And um, (laughs) what are you talking about? (laughs) 
Back at Cajun Fish, um, John is chasing after Melanie, asking why she hasn't really given him an answer yet. And I was like, calm down, John. It's been like five minutes. Like, give her a chance. <laughs> but Melanie is like, well, John, you can't just propose to somebody inside the wall of a bathroom stall and expect a quick answer. And I was like, quite. Um, <laughs> and John says, um, well, do you need time to think about it? And Melanie is like, come here and like pulls him away so they aren't having this discussion like out in the complex um ling and jackson meanwhile then come back into the office stepping off of the elevator and jackson is saying that he still can't believe that their case is real as they kind of walk up to the front desk to check their messages um and richard is there and richard's like oh what's wrong and jackson is like well i get put on this thing because the lead attorney is hallucinating barry manilow and then we got the minister <laughs> who is french kissing the bride who's a nymph all the while there's this wacky lawyer who keeps saying how he's not comfortable and now i'm beginning to wonder if and then he trails off because he looks over to the other side of the office where Elaine is, she's wearing her vibra and she's like pressed the remote on it, specifically the function that somehow, science be damned, enlarges and reduces the size of her nipples like over and over again while she sort of sways seductively. And Jackson like, is just no. like, I, I, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. So Melanie has pulled John into his office and is saying, um, it's not that I don't want to marry you per se. It's just that the idea of being institutionalized is a little repugnant to me, even if the institution is marriage. And John's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, John, you haven't even mentioned marriage with Melanie before. Otherwise, you would maybe know a little bit about how she yeah, feels about it I'm before like, ambushing her. Why <laughs> you don't do surprise proposals? Like you oh, need to have yeah. these exact kinds of conversations before you actually go down on one knee. Like otherwise, yes. you will be disappointed. <laughs> Well, yeah, Melanie goes on to explain that she just doesn't believe in marriage. She thinks the custom is silly. And John's like, well, would you mind telling me why? And she's like, I just don't think that love is something you contract. And John is like shocked. And it's just like, wow. And, and Melanie's like, oh, so you've suddenly gone with wanting to be with me forever to wondering whether you want to be with me at all. And John's like, well, no, I'm just surprised at your answer. And Melanie's like, well, I love you, John. It's not that. And John's like okay but he like is not convinced at all <laughs> i'm like john for fuck's sake yeah so yeah so ali has has i just just gone home like she's just not working she's gone home <laughs> to call her boyfriend she's like on her bed on the phone to larry um just asking about sam and she asks him to send sam her love and then she asks after jamie and I'm she's like, like oh like you say i'm like are there no light duties you could be doing like or is it just like no all, all i have was take your like... personal day <laughs> yeah. i miss my boyfriend bye-bye <laughs> yeah i'd be so mad if i worked at that firm and i got given something to do that she was meant to be doing b because of this like yeah. if she was going to the doctor about her hallucinations i'd be more sympathetic but... oh, absolutely yeah but this no, but no. This, no. <laughs> yeah so yeah and then she asks after Jamie and she's like oh could you send her the measles and then she's like actually don't because that means you'd have to get too close um and then she says thank you for um the Valentine's flowers that he sent so he did send her flowers uh, um yeah. and then she's like 
then they say goodbye, except it's not goodbye. She's like, Chabella, Chabella, Chabella. And I'm like, Ali, this is not cute. Stop well, it. Clearly supposed to be some kind of in-joke between her and Larry, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so then man, Ali kind of... Like send you something nice for Valentine's Day, and yet you're still like, <laughs> I just have no time for this wallowing. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, so he's not forgotten about you. Like you're no. still in a relationship, and it's he still thinks about you enough to, you know, send you some nice things. Like just like chill. It's out. very odd. Yeah. So then. Ali goes to pull her covers up to go to bed after she's hung up the phone. But then she gets up, she like thinks, and then she gets up and walks over to a massive <laughs> freezer that she has in the corner of her room and opens the door because in it is the snowman. It's the fucking snowman. I'm like, did she buy a freezer specifically yeah. to house that snowman? Because... That is unhinged. That is yeah. so unhinged. It, and for clarity, it's the snowman that Larry left on her stoop when he went I mean, to Detroit the with a little note on it. The work yeah. that went into transferring said snowman into freezer upstairs. Who did it? I want to know who she got to do that. She didn't do it. No, it's just, it's bonkers. Very bizarre. Well, then she closes the door because obviously it's cold and then she walks into the lounge where there's like an open fire and then she sort of hallucinates ghost Barry Manilow at her piano singing one of his songs again somewhere down the road. But then he disappears and Vonda's, you hear Vonda's voice take over on the soundtrack as Ali kind of sits by the fire, like rocking back and forth, hugging her knees. Um, Didn't that Barry Manilow ghost look like super cheesy? Like, yes yes like, it i mean barry manilow me... is super cheesy yeah, but yeah i mean this is like you know what this needs more cheese like, yeah let's make him a cheesy ghost like just like it's such a weird odd decision like why why is he like that why is he ghosty like i know so, all the other hallucinations like... have been like normal yeah, like, it, like they normally are. Like, yeah. just, it reminded me of the kind of effect that was put on. Do you remember those like really cheesy adverts for like some like old crooners like uh, like albums on the TV? Yeah. They do yeah. like weird, like eighties. Yeah, yeah. Like, it reminded me a bit of that. It was just like, wow, this is an odd decision, <laughs> and it's just. Yeah, cheese it was weird that it was just for that <laughs> Moment one as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so next day in Ling's office, Jackson and Ling are arguing and Richard comes in and it's like, what's going on? And Ling grumpily is like, nothing. But Jackson's like, I'm just going to say it. And he's like, L Richard, Ling and I got biblical one evening after we met in a bar. And Ling, annoyed that he's just blurted it out, throws a book to the side of her desk and there's like this smash sound effect, which I thought was a really funny, like little subtle <laughs> thing. Um, and Richard is like, uh, biblical? You mean like pray together? And Jackson's like, well, if by praying you mean on your Fucking. knees. And, and Ling's like, hey! And I was like, quite rightly, like don't do lad talk. Like she's right there. Like that's so disrespectful. <laughs> And then, but Richard suddenly like catches on to what they mean. And his jaw is like on the floor as Ling says to Jackson, Jackson, 
meet Richard Fish? And Jackson's like, yeah, I've, I've met Richard. But Ling interrupts going, my boyfriend. And Jackson's like, oh, <laughs> hey. And I was like, is this meant to make Jackson feel jealous? Because if I was him, I would just laugh. Like, I'd be like okay, sure. But I think... I think the thing is, uh, first of all, I was like, is, 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 is it me? Or is Ling wearing the exact same outfit that she did the day before? I didn't pay attention, but probably. Like, I think she was, because she's. it's the same, like, white reverse pin suit, uh, pinstripe suit with black shirt and red flower and wavy hair. Like, that's what yeah. she was wearing in the courtroom, like, the day before. So I'm like, <laughs> why are you wearing the exact same outfit again? <laughs> and, yeah, and also, like, when did this, like dangerous liaison happen exactly because it's not it's at this point years ago, it's, I think. it's not clear and it's just like and and her going like this is richard my boyfriend like makes it sound like she's like oh you've let the cow the bag like i've cheated on richard or something like uh, that that's what it makes it sound like but then you find out that that's not that doesn't appear to be the case but it's just mm-hmm. like really odd. Yeah. Odd, odd, odd. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I've just, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> Ali's in John's office after Melanie's declined his proposal yesterday. Um, and John is not happy. He's mad. Um, and Ali's telling him to calm down and to think things through. But John's just like pacing up and down and is ranting. And he's like, don't tell me to think, Ali. When I think, it hurts. I feel pain. It does me no good to distract myself from pain by thinking about it. If thinking about it brings me more pain. Think, feel, think, feel, balls. And can I just throw in my... Objection! Because this is one of my least favorite things and we've sort of touched on it earlier but when guys propose out of nowhere and they're turned down and then they go full like billy butthurt about it especially when they're turned down and not broken up with and especially when as we've mentioned he'd not even like said the word marriage to her before so he hadn't even bothered to find out whether she even wanted to be proposed to it's like yeah women don't owe you anything like least of all to be legally tied to you for the foreseeable (laughs) like she also didn't reject you so you have literally nothing to be mad about like honestly if this is how men act when something goes like slightly not their way like I'm here to warn everyone off marriage like don't do it it's a bad (laughs) idea and I'm saying that as a married woman like if you're gonna do it at least be prepared to like get out if you have to because men are truly wild to leave my marriage if I have to and Russ knows that because we discussed it beforehand (laughs) yeah no this is it like I like me and my husband we we discussed like marriage before we got engaged like that that absolutely was a conversation that happened and it's like and I think these men, like, they don't want to have that conversation because they might, maybe they deep down suspect that the woman doesn't want to. Well, I think they grow, a lot of men grow up 
thinking that they're entitled to like a woman one day to just live with them for the rest of their lives. I think think that also um, grow up to to believe that that's all women want too. Yeah, and a woman is just waiting for but women are conditioned to want that too yeah but, and like, but, and to, but to see that as like the prize like if you've done that then you've made it you've it's won like no yeah. guys it's not the prize it's work <laughs> like you won work here like if you're prepared if you love someone enough to do the work great good great. do it yeah but it's not the prize no really I, but i just i think men think that yeah they the this is the end game too as much as women are conditioned to to believe that but they're also conditioned to believe that all women want it and that all women are just waiting for um, any man to drop to their knee and and propose because although we're both both sexes heterosexually are conditioned to see that as end game it's a different it takes on a different angle like men I think are conditioned that they're entitled to it whereas women women are conditioned to think that there's something wrong with them if they don't yeah that you fail manage to convince a man to yeah to ask an, them if they an, want an to do that married woman is a failure and a married woman is successful like exactly uh, yeah has succeeded at life which is just like a like, man if a man doesn't get married that's like seen as like his choice like he doesn't yeah. ha- like he's he could ha- he could get married if he wanted to because he's entitled to but he doesn't have to and it's fine if he doesn't yes. want to yeah like it's, yeah. Di- it's got different connotations yes it does i just i think it's um yeah i i just yeah it is yeah the fact that he's reacting so badly to her being like mm. i just think this is a real like red flag <laughs> yeah it like, is. i'm not it into is. it at all yeah no it's not <laughs> it's not good I'd be like, Melanie, no, don't marry him. Like, keep dating him if you want to, but do not but marry him. But I think she made like a really good point in terms of being like, so a minute ago you wanted to marry me and now you're not sure if exactly. you want to be with like, me that at doesn't all make any sense. unless it's yeah. under legal obligation. Like what, what, that, does that sound like love to you? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, Ali continues to persuade John that they should talk about it. But John petulantly is like, talk about what? It? If I talk about it, then I think about it. Which brings me back to feeling about it. Talk, think, feel, pain, balls. And so Ali's like, okay, then I'm going to talk about it. And you are going to listen. She didn't reject you. And John like tries to protest. But Ali's like, no, John, now I am talking and you are going to listen. And don't give me any of this think, talk, feel, pain, balls thing. Now, she's afraid of marriage. Who isn't? <laughs> and I was like, hang on a minute. That's not what she said. She didn't say she was no. afraid of marriage. She said she didn't no. believe in it, but never mind. <laughs> um, and John's, uh, so, so yeah, Ali goes, she's afraid of marriage. Who isn't? And John interrupts and goes, people. And Ali's like, quiet. And John goes, Ali. And Ali goes, John. And John goes, poop. And Ali's like, poop. And John's like, that's what she does to me. She throws it in at the last minute, blames it on the Tourette's, but it is intentional. She does it to rattle me. And Ali is like, Okay, all right, I am talking. I will not have any more interruptions. Are we clear? Are we clear? I am speaking. Now, she loves you. She has doubts about marriage. And if you go and you talk to her, John, you cannot be defensive because when you get defensive, you start to attack. And when you attack, she is not going to feel that you are entitling her to her feelings. And if that happens, then you didn't... 
Now, when you go and you talk about it, you have to keep reminding yourself over and over again that she loves you. She loves you. And John's, like, tried to interrupt at multiple points in this last monologue, but Ali kind of made it through to repeating she loves you, like, over and over, pointing at John's chest. <laughs> but at this point, Richard barges in and just goes, she slept with him, and Ali and John scream because they're startled. <laughs> And they're like, who? <laughs> and Richard, who hadn't even noticed that they were like in the middle of something, is like, who? The new who? Jackson Super Duper. She slept with him. And John's like, Melanie did. And Richard's like, Ling. <laughs> I'm like, these fucking men. <laughs> Richard goes, Ling. And he says, they met at a bar a couple of years ago. And she went back to his place and concubined. I just want to beat him up. I just want to take him by the throat and pound him. And John just goes, oh, who are you trying to kid, Richard? You couldn't even take Ling. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. But that, that, Richard tries to shove John and Ali has to like get in between them to stop them fighting. And it's like, you listen, Richard. And she turns to John and she's like, now Melanie loves you and you should be grateful, John. And then she turns to Richard and it's like... And then she turns to Richard and is like, and Ling loves you. And of course, of course she slept with people before. Now what you two are feeling is vulnerable. And when you feel this way, the best thing to do is communicate, communicate, communicate. Okay? You to Melanie and you to Ling. And I want you two to shake hands and make up for that shove too. And John and Richard are like very begrudgingly like say sorry and shake hands. And then Ali like breaks through it and walks out like in disgust and leaves them on their own. And I was like, Christ, Ali, it's like a losing battle fighting the toxic masculinity around here. Like where's all the hot women from Cajun Fish when you need them? She's just like this lone firefighter, like battling the forest blaze that is toxic masculinity. Yeah, you know when you were like, Ali, can't you do some light duties around the office? This is not what we had in mind. This is not a light duty. This is like heavy. This is all Cajun Fitch have to offer in terms of alternative work. Like manage our like camp counselors. <laughs> So yeah, so as Ali is striding out of John's office, she bumps into yet another toxic male. Like, this place is riddled, I swear. (laughs) Um, But this one is Mark. And he's looking for Richard. But Ali's like, oh no, Mark, it's not a good time. And she's like, what's the matter? And Mark's like, oh, well, this new guy, I don't like him. And Ali's like, (laughs) why? And he's like, well, to be honest, it's Elaine. She hasn't stopped sweating since he got here. And Ali sort of does a little smile and it's like, are we exaggerating a little? And then Mark's like, well, what do you think? And he points over at Elaine, who is dripping, <laughs> dripping first, such that she needs to wipe the underside of her chin with her hand. <laughs> and I was like, me too, to be honest. Like, I'm just like, look, Mark, I don't know what to tell you. Like, uh, Tay Diggs is fine. Uh, you are average. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> It's like guys, we really can't keep up. Cannot blame Elaine for this. <laughs> no, I don't blame Elaine. I, I feel her. I'm as a sweaty individual myself. I feel what she's going through. As one of the sweaties. Um, <laughs> yeah. Feel. So. Back in the courthouse, the reverend is now being questioned on the stand, and he's going. Um, it was under duress, though I've committed myself to God. He created me as a man. 
with man's urges. And I was like, sorry, can you hear my eye roll from here? Like, what the fuck? Look, I, I know this is going to come as a shock, but I am a man. <laughs> no excuse. He then goes on and he's like, Marsha and I were planning the wedding in my office, going over ceremonial options and what for. And suddenly I look up from my desk and there's this areola. And Mr. Milton is questioning him, like grimaces at the word. And it's like, areola? And the minister's like, you know, the pigmented part of the breast surrounding the nipple. And he's like pointing to its approximate location on his chest. And Mr. Milton looks disgusted. And it's like, yes, I'm familiar with the term. How did this areola? And the minister interrupts before he can finish the question. And he's like, she just opened her blouse, took off her bra and womp, plopped it right down. Well... I'm not proud of what happened next, but I licked it. And Mr. Milter is like, why? I'm, and he I says, just, I just, I just gotta say, like, having an ex-lover described to a courtroom, you taking off your bra, like you just dumped a sack of cement on his desk <laughs> would not be a good day for me. Like, I'd be like, I'm, I'm going to need to it take right a, down. Nobody should be using the word plopped about boobs, really. It's just not a nice word. I'm just like, I, if it would please the court, I'm going to need to take a well-being break. Like, this is not okay. If it please the court, I'd like to object to the word plopped. <laughs> and the, the like, I'm not comfortable. sound he made as it hit the desk. need for it well anyway yeah the reverend says he's not proud of what happened next but he licked it normal reaction to seeing a boob (laughs) and mr milter is like why and the reverend says well i have urges like any man but unlike any man i never have have access Truth be told, the only breasts I'd ever seen before were in National Geographics and they were the saggy variety. But this one was so alive and right before my eyes. (laughs) So alive. Look alive, ladies. (laughs) So then Jackson. Rocky Flintstone, yeah. <laughs> I like the way she got like just one boob out as well, like not both, just, just like one. one. And just plonked it down on the desk. Oh, so yeah, Jackson then gets to cross-examine and he says, "Okay, you're planning the wedding. The bride's breast falls in front of you, and you." <laughs> lick it what type of minister are you and mr milter gets up and is like your honor i'm not comfortable with but jackson cuts him off and it's like you keep talking about how you're not comfortable i have a lawyer over here who can't find comfort a nipple licking minister talking about saggy breasts he saw in a national geographic your honor this is whack we haven't even gotten to the nymph yet and judge walsh like starts to interrupt but jackson keeps going like so disbelieving is he of that this is his life that he's now in and he's like your defense is duress what 
you just had to lick it? Like, what were you thinking? And Judge Walsh finally gets a moment to say, that's enough. And the Reverend is like, God made men weak. And Jackson <laughs> disdainfully is like, God made men weak? Don't you have rules? Isn't it written in some minister's handbook, thou shalt not lick the bride's nest nipple? <laughs> Judge Walsh has had like enough of his warnings going unheeded and bangs his gavel going, Mr. Duper! <laughs> Mr. Super Duper! Super duper. Yeah, I mean, Jackson is just like, what the fuck is going on? I love that he says, this is whack. Like, it just... yeah, I know. I'm like, yes, Jackson, welcome. Welcome to the show. Yeah, like, you're, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I think you were expecting, like, the practice when actually you're somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. expected too much <laughs> like <laughs> sense <laughs> yeah um, oh so back at the office Ali is hanging out like around the Cajun fish sign in the middle of the complex telling Mark and Nell which is like a hot, odd choice for her to be hanging out with them but okay um, but she's telling them that she's hallucinating Barry Manilow and she's been doing it ever since Larry left town um, and that Richard said that she should confront him and Mark's like I had some friend who thought their house was haunted and they went to some ghost specialist um, and that's what they were told, confront the ghost aggressively. And Nell's like, bitterly, ghosts are like men. Unless you're vicious, they just keep haunting you. And (laughs) Elaine then comes up to them to say, um, well, Ali, you've got a call from Larry online too. Um, But she seems like really like stiff and like uncomfortable and she's like glistening with sweat and Ali's like um okay good um tell him I'll be right there and Elaine like backs away not turning around looking I mean quite frankly she looks unwell like she's gonna throw up or something (laughs) she's like not looking where she's going and she like bumps into Melanie who's just got off the elevator who promptly screams as does Elaine um and Elaine looks like extremely rattled about it but Melanie just looks confused and just continues on her way. And Ali and Nell look at Mark like quizzically, like, is your girlfriend okay? (laughs) (laughs) So Melanie continues and strides into John's office wanting to speak to him um, to find that when she walks in, John and Richard are in their weird like Pilates-esque contraptions that you hang from upside down. There's like, there's now two of them. So John's got one (laughs) and Richard's got one. Um, And Melanie asks to speak with John upright. um, And John does like an elaborate dismount as is his way. Um, And Melanie is like, wow, you know, I do gymnastics too. And John out of breath is like, you do? And Melanie's like, yet another thing we have in common. And the heat between them is like, palpable like they're like (laughs) want to kiss but then John remembers that Richard is still like hanging like a bat next to them and he's like can you excuse us Richard but Richard's like oh well I would but I can't get down but Melanie isn't falling for that crap and she like reaches over to him and unzips his fly which causes Richard to kind of crunch upwards and from Mm. there he's able to unhook his legs and he starts dismounting but he just sort of like spins (laughs) round and round and then just clumsily like to the ground um and then he zips up and is like funny and then leaves um so once they're alone melanie says to john 
Look, I met somebody who ticks and stutters and likes gymnastics and small tiny spaces and Barry Manilow, but the longer people are together, the more they discover all their differences, John, and eventually those differences outnumber the things that they have in common. And since the things that they have in common have long since been celebrated, it's the differences that... And then she says, the most alone people I know are married, some happily. And John's like, I don't even know how to respond other than to say how ridiculous. Given the complex nature of the human being, the human psyche, a person could spend a lifetime discovering who he himself is, let alone who others are. Given the capacity for change, the capacity for love to grow, to nurture change, given how every single little equation of love is infinitely compounded when two people come together. I mean, the idea that discovery, whether it be of commonalities or differences, could be finite, I find that utterly devoid of logic, not to mention hope. And Melanie's like, wow, that's a lot from somebody who wasn't sure how to respond. And John's like, Melanie, we're at the beginning and the only thing you can feel is that all things must end. And Melanie's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. But John insists that it is. And Melanie says, poop. And John goes, poop yourself. If you want to turn me down, do it. If you want to condemn the institution of marriage, fine. But please, for your own sake, don't reject the idea that somehow, someplace, two people can make it work and be happy in the process. And Melanie just sort of leans her head on one of the Pilates things and just goes, I've just never seen it. I thought it was a pretty good, uh, you know, defence of... Yeah. uh, Well, I guess it's not really a defence of marriage. It's just a... a, uh, Or an argument for marriage. It's more an argument that, you know, two people can fall in love and be committed for an entire lifetime and continue to get happiness and fulfillment from that love for an entire lifetime. And I lifetime. agree that that's true. Yeah, I, 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 agree. I would, but I would agree with Melanie that you don't need to get married to do that. No, you don't. At all. You don't need um, to do that. So, yeah. So meanwhile... Also, it, sorry, oh. <laughs> I was just thinking, but also at the same time, all things do end and must end. Like, yeah. it, even if you do stay together for a lifetime, one of you is going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah, it will totally. end one day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, over in the unisex, um, Jackson comes in and opens a store door to find Richard, like, mid-pee. And he's like, oh, sorry. Um, and Richard <laughs> finishes up and comes out and is like, I don't want to talk about it. But he leaves like, and he's still... your penis? Like, no, like, about him not locking the fucking door. Like, that's right, just stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he leaves and he's still like wearing his like ankle harnesses from the Pilates thing. Yeah. As Nell comes in and walks straight up to Jackson and puts her hand out for a handshake. Um, and I was like, Nell, never do that in the bathroom, especially with a man. Like, that's just asking for trouble. <laughs> and then she introduces herself and it's like, um, oh, hi, I'm Nell. And Jackson's like, oh, hi, yeah, I'm Jackson. But um, you're in the men's bathroom. And Nell's like, uh, actually, it's a unisex we all go together here. And she like heads into a stall. And then Jackson opens John's stall door and the toilet starts flushing ahead of John entering and explaining that he likes a fresh bowl and he like squeezes past Jackson into the stall and closes the door. And Jackson, who is just questioning all of his choices thus far, is lost for words. But as if that wasn't enough Cajun fish kooky for him to really ram it home, Elaine like immediately emerges from the next stall along, still wringing wet with sweat as her vibra is like jiggling up and down mad. 
frantically as she approaches Jackson and backs him into the sinks until he can't go back anymore. And Elaine reaches past him, boobs are jiggling, to grab a paper towel to like dab her neck seductively and moan suggestively. And then she leaves. And as Jackson is reeling from this encounter, Melanie then walks in and Jackson bumps into her, causing her to tick a squeal. And Jackson jumps and squeals back. And Melanie goes into John's stall with John still clearly in there and closes the door and if Jackson was lost for words before he's forgotten what language even is at this point (laughs) I mean poor Jackson that was quite the ordeal wasn't it (laughs) I mean I find it quite funny that whenever a new lawyer like joins the firm like they they really do like dial all their kooky up to 11 to be like you don't have to be mad to work here but it helps (laughs) like I mean, personally, I find it, like, unnecessary because it's like, you guys don't need to make an effort. Like, you're already objectively weird. (laughs) Well, it's just like, we've got to give them them the old (laughs) razzle-dazzle. This is how we welcome people, by throwing everything we have at them. We have a a kookiness show. (laughs) Yeah. Just to drop you in the deep end. So back at the courthouse, Marsha's now on the stand and she's saying, "Um, I wasn't really in control. I get this urge for gratification and it overwhelms me. I was as shocked as anybody when he started licking. (laughs) And Mr. Milter is listening because he's not questioning and he looks over at his client disgusted when she says this and the minister has this like look on his face like, who, me? (laughs) What did I do? Um, but then Marsha's lawyer then asks if her affliction prevented her from loving Clayton and she says absolutely not this was not fraud when I walked down that aisle I loved him and I intended to spend the rest of my life with him as I would still like to do and then it's Jackson's turn to question her and he asks well as you plan to marry my client as you shared the mutual intent of spending the rest of your life with him did it ever occur to you to say by the way honey I'm a nymphomaniac and Marsha's like well I was afraid if he knew he wouldn't marry me Um, And as her lawyer objects, Jackson continues saying, well, I don't understand how you could not tell him. Perhaps he'd approve. Did that ever occur to you? Reverend Compton did. And Mr. Milter is like, tries to tell everyone that he's not comfortable. But Jackson just continues on this massive rant and is like, you're actually here because you want alimony. You don't have the integrity to just walk away. You've destroyed this man and now you want his money. What diagnosis do you have to defend your indecency? And Mr. Milter is like, your honor, this is badgering now. It must stop. And Jackson's like, well, your client was quite the little badger now, wasn't he? And then he just does an impression of the minister like licking. And Mr. Milter just turns to the judge and is like, and again, not comfortable (laughs) and judge walsh is like all right mr deeper and then marsha pipes up saying yes i was unfaithful but infidelity does not annul a marriage mr duper but judge walsh is like infidelity your marriage lasted three years ma'am you were unfaithful 106 times and marsha just goes it's a sickness (laughs) they were married three years she was unfaithful 106 times and he only noticed when he watched the wedding video back. <laughs> I know. And I don't think it was 106 times with the same person. No, I think that was no. just like the first time. I think that's the reason they've gone for the marriage thing is because that proves that the wedding was kind of null and void from the start yeah, or that's what they're yeah. trying to prove. But yeah. But at this point, I was like, is nymphomania like a real thing? 
Um, I, you know what? I, I Lady don't know. Kelly's pretty obsessed with it. Like, this is not the first time he's got no, like women's sex drives. So I like Googled it, um, and it's it's not well. It's there's quite some. I don't know how much you know about this, but there's, it turns out there's quite some controversy over it because it's there's nothing. There's no official diagnosis called nymphomania anymore. Like, there's but now there's something sex called addiction, hy- isn't there? Well, there's something called hypersexuality, and basically, experts can't actually agree on whether that is a condition in and of itself or it's a symptom or a collection of symptoms or like a side effect of other things like bipolar disorder or like a side effect of certain drugs for example so because of this confusion about what it is and where it comes from they can't agree on whether it's appropriate to separate that behavior out as its own condition or not and because of that there's like lots of conditions that come within the umbrella of hypersexuality like sex addiction like compulsive masturbation etc so basically there's like no commonly held view on what it is or how you deal with it um so i just find it interesting interesting. yeah it is really interesting because it it's that thing of like and also i would imagine there are like questions to be asked around what makes uh like because uh, uh, like what makes a woman hypersexual compared to a man being hypersexual well, societally uh, we do have double standards about what's yeah. a lot of partners for women and what's a lot of partners for men like yeah so, so, it, it would be so interesting that's why to see started... how that plays out in the kind of mental health arena as well So that's why I started looking it up because nymphomania is very specifically a term for this behaviour in women. Nymphomania is not something you Uh, give to a man, that's something else. Um, There's another term that they used to use for men, but it's one that I can't even remember. So little is it used. And I know that one of the reasons that they've probably stopped calling it nymphomania is because nymph is a term that was used as a slur for women who were promiscuous to like like slag like slut do you know what I mean like oh you're a nymph like you're you're, you're just you know and like something to denigrate women with which is why I wasn't massively comfortable with Jackson throwing around nymph like we haven't even got to the nymph yet like throughout this whole episode and that's why I wanted to look it up because I was like is it a real thing or is it just a term that people thought was a thing but actually it's just a way to oppress women do you know what I mean like yeah 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 yeah. and it turns out kind of kind of I was right it's not a thing yeah (laughs) as in you can't just call women nymphomaniac anymore and expect it to be like an official diagnosis that's not what we do that's not so yeah Uh, isn't that interesting yeah yeah Yeah. cool so yeah back in John's hole in the wall Melanie has come to see him um and she's kind of calling from the outside and asks him to let her in before someone sees them um and he opens the door with his remote and closes it behind her as she comes in and she asks him if he still wants to get married and John says Melanie I don't want to be engaged to a person who can't conceive of a happily ever after and Melanie's like well I'm willing to work on that and John's like well that's not enough though because you have to believe and I was like John who are you Walt fucking Disney I'm just like, yeah, because happily ever after is a fairy tale trope. 
Like, yeah, you, it is. What are you on about? Like, I have a necklace from Disney that is the word "believe" with a Mickey Mouse silhouette. Like, <laughs> it's Walt Disney you're talking about here, not life. Oh my god! Like, what does she need to believe in that yeah. she loves you? She does believe that. Yeah, I just... But anyway, Melanie is like, well, I said I'm willing to work on it. And John just looks unconvinced and raises his eyebrows. And Melanie continues and is like, hey, I never believed that I would find somebody to love for a year, much less a whole, and then trails off. And then she asks if they can continue their courtship. But before John can answer, she says she has a surprise for him, but she can't give it to him in here. And then she says she loves him and is willing to compound that equation with nurturing infinites and all the stuff that he said before. <laughs> and then she goes, and did I mention that I love you? And I was like, I'm again, like, concerned about this whole thing. Like, this has turned into quite an unhealthy uh, exchange of views here. Like, like oh. when it was, when it was, like, their relationship seemed to be fine. Like, I don't, yeah. like this has now taken it down, like, quite a concerning Weird path place. for me. Yeah, but I yeah. agree. So yeah, back at the courthouse, um, we've got closings. So Jackson says, I am embarrassed to have pulled you away from your busy lives because this here is, this David is ridiculous. Kelly talking? <laughs> <laughs> he says, we have a nymphomaniac who's holding out for alimony after having slept with, and then he asks the court clerk. She's like, yeah, 106. <laughs> He's like, yeah, 106. We have a reverend who claims to have slept with the nymph under duress and is being sued by the wounded husband for emotional distress. This is silly. And I'm sorry for taking up your time and I won't take up any more of it except to say that you know what you know. There never was a marriage here. My client never knew he was saying I do to a compulsive sexaholic. There was no meeting of the minds. Just a null thing and let that be that. And I was like, all right, Jackson, who died and made you arbiter of what is worth people's time? Like, this is people's lives. It's worth their time. (laughs) And I demand that the defendants apologise to the court for wasting everyone's time. (laughs) Yeah, so then Marsha's lawyer then has his turn and is like, why isn't there a marriage? They took vows, for better or worse. Granted, nymphomania would be worse, but that's what a union is about, accepting your spouse for strengths as well as flaws. I was like, that's a pretty poor defence for Marshall's lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) But Mr. Milter then gives his closing and says, well, since she is a nymphomaniac and all sides are agreeing that she is, how can you really hold the reverend responsible for breaking up this union? It was going to end anyway. Now, this is not to defend my client's tongue insertion into the bride's mouth during the ceremony, nor am I condoning the extracurricular activity with the with the breast in planning stages, (laughs) but the Reverend didn't cause anything to come apart that wasn't destined to come apart. Oh gosh. I have things to say about this case. Like you must (laughs) join us for the retrial um, episode that we do, the mini episodes we do on, on Patreon um, for all linked here and above. um, If you want to hear my thoughts, because Laura Jane has feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Back in the office, Ali continues the theme of the courtroom closings. Um, She's talking to Richard, who is down in the dump still about finding out about Jackson and Ling. And Ali's trying to cheer him up, saying that if him and Ling are meant to break apart, it probably has nothing to do with Jackson Duper. Um, And Richard isn't convinced. But Ali's like, 
well, what do you love the most about Ling? And he's like, well, I guess it would have to be her soft, smooth skin. And Ali's like, huh. <laughs> All right, Ed Gein. <laughs> no, I want to wear her skin. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ali's like, oh, it's like that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend song where she's like, um, oh, God, I have to look I up wanna, the lyrics. Wanna, it's... The, it goes, um... hang on. I wear your skin like a dress and also have you see me in the dress and be like OMG looks so cute in my skin hang on <laughs> I gotta look it up wait <laughs> yeah I wanna kill you wear your skin like a dress but then also have you see me in the dress and be like oh OMG you look so cute in my skin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna lock you in the basement but in that basement you, you would, would also, also be, be my personal, personal trainer, trainer. I, want I want your Break it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great song. Get into a chowder, dry your sweat into a powder, and do life with you all through the night. Because I, 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 I feel like I'm body taking measurements of your body. Then go up to a surgeon, make my body like your body. Like the Thomas River Articles. It's such Naked. a great song. Oh, Love so it. So yeah, that's 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 what <laughs> Richard feels about Ling. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants to make his body like her body. <laughs> and Ali's like, yeah, okay, uh, but but deep deep down, what do you love about her? And Richard says, and he starts sort of lying down like he's in a therapist's couch. And he's like, oh, oh, deep down, um, her hair. And he's like, okay, um, do you have a sense of what Ling maybe most loves about you? And Richard's like, well, I, ho- I hope it's, you know, my money. And Ali's like, hmm, yeah, well... That seems like a pretty tough bond for Jackson Duper to crack, don't you think? Soft skin, hair, and uh, money. money. <laughs> I'm like, Ling, why are you with Run, him? run. But Ali like slaps his thigh playfully and gets up to leave. And Richard sits up and is like, oh, Ali, we're supposed to be taking care of you this week with Larry gone. And you're taking care of all of us. And Ali says through like slightly gritted teeth as though she's trying to convince herself more than anyone. She just goes... Larry's not gone. He's in Detroit. And then she walks off. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Ali, you're being such a martyr by sacrificing all your workload to your colleagues. I know. care of the man babies in your office. <laughs> yeah. So then the, the jury's back on the annulment case and they find that the marriage should be dissolved and then on the second count they find in favour of the defendant. So they basically found that the referent, the referent shouldn't be held accountable for the marriage breaking up. Um, and Jackson's like, well, one out of two. And Clayton's like, oh, I would have liked to have nailed that minister. And Jackson's like, yeah, your former wife did that. <laughs> And Ling's like, it's a good result, Clayton. And Clayton agrees and he thanks them and he kind of goes on his merry way and leaves Jackson and Ling together. And Jackson says, well, I think considering the circumstances, I should no longer work at Cajun Fish. And Ling goes, well, it won't bother me, Jackson, really. And Jackson's like, oh, okay. uh, But you are with Richard Fish, right? And Ling's like, yes, I am. And Jackson's like, well, I'll respect that. And Ling's like, (laughs) 
thanks. No one else does. <laughs> and then she's like, did you come to work here because of me? And Jackson's like, I don't remember. And then he starts to say sorry, but Ling's like, yeah, well, to your first victory at Cajun Fish and walks out and Jack Jackson musters to himself and goes, and my first defeat. I'm just like, you don't remember why you came to Cajun Fish? Like, I know. What is going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jackson, I think you need to take a good, long, hard look at your life choices. <laughs> your decisions here. Um, not least of which, just giving Ling a false name in the first place. Like, why? Who do you think you are? Like, do you work for MI5? <laughs> I mean, I know. I, I, I've, got, I've got things to say about this later, but we'll, oh, okay. we'll get to it. All right. Um, so, of course, it's a rite of passage. Jackson has to celebrate at the bar, of course, with everyone. And the bar is unusually high-key excited today um, because we see Richard and Melanie and John weave through the crowd and everyone's like, it's packed and everyone's like clapping. Um, and John wants to know what's going on and why the stage is dark because the iKets are like getting ready to start a number with like a lengthy intro. And Melanie's like excited and she's like, it's coming, it's coming, sit down. And she like leaves into his seat at the table with everyone because it turns out performing tonight is of course the one, no one the only Baza Manilow singing it's a miracle um, and it's all because Melanie somehow arranged it for John and everyone's like oh my god ah! um, and it's what her surprise is you know apparently Ling helped her get Barry there um, and Ling's like I can do anything and Nell's like oh I got Barry White <laughs> <laughs> but Melanie and John ignore old grumpy boots uh, Nell because they're so excited and um, they get up to dance and Ling asks Richard to come and dance and the lane just gets up to dance on her own she's like I don't need no man um, and then <laughs> Ali and Renee arrive um, and they walk kind of in the in the room and the second that Ali <laughs> sees Barry Manilow she of course assumes that she's imagining him and she just goes now this has gone far enough and <laughs> Renee's like Ali um, but it's too late because Ali well, is remembering I, Richard's advice and late. marches <laughs> eh? I'm like it wasn't too late there was a good like five second period where Renee so, just stands there like not explaining anything I'm so like, what I found funny about Renee's reaction was it was like you know in um Willy Wonka like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder where he's like wait stop don't do it like, yeah. but he's like not stopping the kids from getting into trouble wait, <laughs> that's what no, it was like she was like stop. Ali don't stop oh god like, but she did nothing no, to don't stop go. it <laughs> But yeah, so basically, Ali, Renee does a piss poor attempt at stopping Ali because Ali is remembering Richard's advice, marches right up to the stage and like takes a big swing at Barry Manilow at the piano and Barry ducks to avoid Ali's violence and like the band stop and everyone stops and the music stops and Ali is, everyone's staring at Ali and Ali is like mortified that he's for real. And the whole bar is staring at her. And she's like, uh, 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 oopsie, are you 
for real? And Barry deadpans, are you? Like, lady, you want the mic that badly? Ask for it here. And he gives it to her. And they start up the music again. And Ali is like shaking her head like manically. She's like, no, no, honestly, I can't. And the whole bar is like, come on, woo, woo, sing. Except for Renee, who is also shaking her head and going, no. (laughs) But then... Ali like turns it on and is loving the attention and bursts into song and Renee just like rolls her eyes. So <laughs> Ali gets to duet and dance with Barry Manilow as everyone else is dancing, um, except for Jackson. He's kind of, he's trying to avoid watching Ling and Richard, but then there's a little flirty eye contact with Renee that I noticed at the end of that scene. Um, okay. So yeah, that was Ali just having the time of her life with Barry. Yeah, I mean... So later... (laughs) Ridiculous, but fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Later that night, Ali's at home um, speaking to Larry on the phone and telling him all about how she thought Barry was a ghost. Um, So she went up (laughs) to the stage and the next thing she knew, she was singing It's a Miracle with Barry Manilow. (laughs) And then she's like... you know, I thought it was a ghost, so naturally I tried to knock him out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's what anyone would do. Um, And then she's like, I wish you could have been there. And then she says she loves him and says goodbye. Um, And as she's sort of saying goodbye, Renee arrives home and asks what he said. And Ali's like, well, he couldn't believe it. He laughed. And and then Ali just shrugs and goes, well, it's funny. And Renee asks if it's harder than she thought. And Ali says, yes, well, I've got you. That's all I need. Thank you. And Renee's like, well, I'd rather be with Jackson Duper. And Ali's like, you bide your time, Renee. And Renee's like, I'm going to bed. And I was like, Ali, why are you cock blocking this? Like, I love this for Renee. Bring on Braxton or Janae, whoever we're calling her. <laughs> but anyway, we end the episode with a montage soundtracked by Vonda and Barry singing um, one of his songs that we heard earlier, Somewhere Down the Road, as Ali sits on the couch and she puts the phone back on its cradle. And then back at the bar, Ling and Richard are doing a slow dance as Jackson makes eye contact with Ling over Richard's shoulder. Um, and John and Melanie are slow dancing in his hole in the wall, touching foreheads. And then we're back to Ali and she dances in front of the fire in her living room with a couch cushion. So, Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad uh, Melanie and John and Ali and Cushion made up. <laughs> if we got through that whole episode a whole Barry Manilow episode without any kind of whiff of Copacabana or Mandy oh Mandy yeah I know it's it's oh Barry you came (laughs) and you took without giving (laughs) and then we sent you away oh Barry maybe they were like his (sighs) newer songs or something I I don't know I don't know though because I looked them up and they're not so oh okay it's yeah, just some weird no, choices just there, Vonda. I, I imagine what happens when they have like a uh, episode that focuses on one artist is that Vonda is like works with the artist to pick the songs that work best with the storyline from their back catalogue. And I'm just like, yeah. you could have weaved Mandy and Copacabana in there. You definitely like, could have. Come on, just have them another Think scene creatively. At the bar. Yeah, like yeah. just something. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> So that's really my main problem with this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I enjoyed it for the most part. Yeah, it just feels a little bit like a missed opportunity, doesn't it? To have uh, a couple of bangers in there, a bit of 
Manilo, <laughs> Baza Manilo bangers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Yes. <laughs> I kind of want to find the entire Ling Jackson Richard subplot guilty. <laughs> Because I think... Okay, if you're having... <laughs> what, you want to give them all a guilty? I just want to give them... I just think it's really shit writing. Like, I just... The the entire subplot. I just well, no, I don't like it. You can't it. do that. You need Why to not? either give David E. Kelly as guilty or you need to give the characters... Okay, character or I'll characters. give it to David E. Kelly then. I'll give it to David E. Okay. Kelly. Because I just don't like right. the writing of it. Um, because, like, I just think Ling's attitude towards Jackson just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, because this is supposed to have happened, their liaison is supposed to have happened, like, two years ago, it sounds like it was, um, to me it sounds like it was was a one-night stand thing, or at least, like, extremely short-term thing. And you're mad because he gave you a false name. Like, why do you fucking care at this point? Like, why does it matter? I mean, I would be a little bit mad because it would mean that I would run, like, there's the chance of this sort of thing happening. Like, you think you're about to walk into a room with no one you've slept with before. And actually, you have. But I just, but I, I just, like, you can always walk into rooms and there's someone yeah, there. Yeah, I, I agree. With. But I, like, I, I just like, think as like, mad really, as she is, because I understand why, you know, because I know people that have given false names to um, other people, like when they've had like a one night stand, and it's literally just like a bit of fun, like it's just a bit of like. I want to be someone else tonight kind of mentality. Yeah. And it's I can, like, I think and, it, if and I it, found why would it do that any someone harm? Had, I think if I found out that someone that I was quite happy with them being a one night stand, if I found out they'd given me a false name, I wouldn't be like mad about it, but I would be yeah. a bit like, oh, why, why well, did I, you feel the need to like, lie? <laughs> I, I think I'd either find it funny or just like at worst a bit weird. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be mad about it the way that she is being. She is. Yeah. Um, and I don't like Richard's like jealous attitude. Like I no. don't think that makes any sense because he knows Ling has had previous sexual partners. Like yeah. he went to dinner with one of them like fairly well, I recently. Just think, like so why Ali are you being so like of course now? Ling slept with other people was like exactly right. Like why are you mad? Like of course she has. Don't be stupid. Yeah, like why is this and I, I think the fact that he's acting this way with the first ex of Ling's we've met who is black feels a little bit like yikes like ugh. yeah but then but then there's no actual hint that that might be the reason in the show so I it don't just think goes it back is to like making but it's not weird. any sense at all it just doesn't make yeah. any sense that he's suddenly hurt by this like yeah, uh, like it just like when when we've seen him be absolutely cool with it before he's gone to dinner with an ex of hers yeah. like before like it just doesn't make any fucking sense and then Jackson just doesn't seem to know where he is and why he's Whether there he's coming or going. and like, <laughs> he surely I'm like 
what you've never heard of this firm's reputation like he's like acting like he's been like picked up and dropped there without warning like he's been abducted by a ufo and just like dropped <laughs> into the middle of cage and fish and i like, think he keeps <laughs> thinking that he's gonna get punked like is this for real and it's like <laughs> If you'd spoken to anyone who's had any interaction yeah. with that firm, you'd know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, surely you went to the office for an interview. Like, surely, yeah. like, I just don't understand. Like, and, you know, uh, this this firm is now big enough that we do at sort of, you know, periodically we do hear that this firm does have a reputation that travels around yeah, legal, like the legal circles in world, Boston. The legal like world in Boston is probably not that big like everyone's at the same courthouses all exactly. the time you get to know different so I'm firms just a different bit lawyers like, are you a complete out of towner is that why you're yeah. like just do not know what you've walked into it just all feels like just false conflict coupled with like stereotypes of like bitches be crazy and irrational and men are yeah. incapable of feeling unthreatened when a girlfriend has had sex before like and it just and maybe there's more to this that david e kelly is going to build on so that these characters like emotional positions make more sense but frankly like four seasons in like i think we know (laughs) not to put any faith in don't raise that bar of hope Eleanor you're just going to be disappointed I mean I'm happy to see Tay Diggs because I love him yeah I love Tay Diggs he's he's a very handsome talented man but also um I am annoyed because I'm getting excited for a potential Jackson Renee relationship and I just don't think it's going to be what I want it to be so I'm Mm. already getting like preemptively annoyed about that So yeah. yeah. Um but if you're also, gonna like Oh sorry, go sorry. on. I, I was gonna say, but but also there's a uh, the uh, the thing of like Renee being interested in Tay Diggs. Like I get it because he is hot, but there is yeah. this tendency in TV shows to be like couple the black people together. Oh yeah, yeah. They're yeah, black. Yeah, like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I know that I that it kind of feels a little bit smacks of that a little bit i don't know like we'll see how it goes yeah um, we'll see. so yeah um if you've copped out and given your guilty to david e kelly because you can't decide on anyone this week <laughs> can i have two <laughs> can i have two if you're gonna do that oh, did, uh, okay all right <laughs> so the first one i want to do reverend whatever his face is Reverend Rocky Flintstone. I want to make him like guilty Reverend as Rocky all Flintstone. fucking Christendom. Guilty as all fucking Christendom for blaming his choices on quote man's urges. Like, dude, we yeah. all have man's urges. urges. Like, look at yeah. Elaine. They're just called urges, urges, and most of us can fucking control ourselves. Like, what's your fucking excuse, you ding dong? Like, yeah. I'm just not here for this. Absolutely, absolutely. But also, if I'm having another one, I kind of want to give Jackson a guilty for that closing. Like, the okay. whole 
way i mean i know it's a product of its time but as i was explaining yeah. this this whole nymphomania nymph kind of label that women got like othering women or anyone by referring to them as like a thing he kept saying the nymph and i find yeah. that extremely rude and just also him generally being on his high horse about wasting everyone's time over this silly little trivial case like i was like mate they'd all be working on some other case if it wasn't this one like who's to say that that wouldn't be just as silly like it's people's lives and like the courthouse is there to hear whatever cases have come up like going around declaring it silly is like annoying like yes I know it's very silly but also like you're not wasting people's time they'd just be working on something else like especially at Cajun Fish like they never get like important cases like it's always something stupid so just calm down like I don't know who you think you are (laughs) eh? I was like, so get used to it. (laughs) Exactly. Get used to it or jog on. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. (laughs) Cool. Cool. So let us know how you feel about Tay Diggs joining the Cajun Fish roster. Um, Does he seem like a Cajun fish out of water? Or do you think he's going to settle in just fine? Um, Let us know. We are on uh, Twitter at Bygones Podcast, Facebook at Bygones Podcast, Instagram at Bygones Pod, or you can email us on bygonespodcast at gmail.com with any of your thoughts answers to our general ponderings and you know feelings think feel yes. thoughts balls do it hey. <laughs> email <laughs> so um until next time bye guys we had the right love at the wrong time guess i always knew inside i wouldn't have you for a long Those dreams of yours are shining on distant shores, and if they're called.